Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get the Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Get to Vet listeners. Welcome to the show today. This is Trevor Maxwell, and with me as always is the lovely Mike Riggs. <laughs> hey, uh, today is, a, is a, I think, a really interesting one because this is probably one of the biggest questions a lot of people have is, you know, how do I get started with my, my VA claim? And if you're not doing it, uh, you should be, uh, you know, get, get past the, oh, you know, I don't want to be that guy and, and claim disability and stuff. Um, Cause if you don't do it right the first time, it's going to be way harder later on down the road. I know people who didn't put the, the required time and effort into their VA disability claim when they got out and now they're fighting tooth and nail for years to get stuff, you know, put onto their claim that they could have easily done as they were getting out. So we got a, uh, our guest today, um, Jose Nicola, and I will, I will turn it over to him and let him uh, introduce himself and talk a little bit about what he's doing. Yeah, hi, hi everyone. Uh, thanks uh, for having me on. Um, like Trevor was saying, my name is Jose Nicola. I'm a retired hospital corpsman chief. I did 23 years in the Navy. I was a uh, independent duty corpsman. Uh, and a corpsman throughout my entire career. So extensive knowledge of, 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 of medicine. And uh, during the last few years, probably the last eight or nine years, uh, my role as a retired, as a retired uh, corpsman now has been to be a recovery care coordinator for uh, several programs that assist wounded, ill and injured service members. Uh, I worked with NECC for a while and, and helped the EOD folks out. And now I work for Navy Wounded Warrior, um, who, which is the program of record. So, um, you know, one of the things that we do see a lot, like uh, Trevor, was, Trevor was mentioning, is the fact that no matter where you find yourself, whether you're retiring uh, at 20 years or you're being medically retired, uh, you have to prepare adequately and, and, and submitting your VA claim is a big, is, is probably one of the most important things that you can do uh, along with ensuring that your DD-214 is accurate. So, um, so hopefully today we can discuss a little bit of that and, uh, you know, see what questions uh, you guys have and see how I can best uh, help answer those questions. Thanks, man. And I think this <laughs> is a great one. I, I think, you know, Mike can pretty much take control of this conversation because he's actually going through it and, and he's in that phase now where he's getting ready to, to get his claim started. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, you know, some of the things that the overarching thing too, is it's really so important that we get this right because I mean, Jose, you're such the subject matter expert on this, but when we'll get into this even more, but there's so many other secondary and tertiary benefits to getting this right. You know, that, that the VA and there's other state benefits that, that come along with this as well, if you get it right. So, um, I'm, I'm right now at, uh, so January 1st, I'll be at the nine month mark. 
I have gone across the street there at NECC and talked with Sharon. Uh, she's reviewed my Alta so far and scrubbed that. So I owe her my paper copy, uh, my, my two volume paper copy that I got to go grab from Boone Clinic here shortly. Uh, she's going to go through that for me and go grab my mental health stuff that's, I guess, locked down a couple passwords deep that I got to go get uncovered. Uh, there's uh, some chiropractor visits that I have out in town that I got to go take care of and get the notes from him and get all that put together. And then, uh, and then we go from there. So yeah, I'm, uh, uh, and then, you know, I'll let you speak to the timelines and everything mm -hmm. as far as that goes, but, uh, yeah, you take it from there, buddy. Yeah. So, uh, where I would probably like to start is, you know, when we, when, when people in the military, regardless of service, uh, you start thinking about retiring and normally that starts occurring, maybe two years out, maybe when you're at 17, 18 years or 20 years or 24 years, whatever the case may be, but you're, you're about two years out from retiring. You start thinking about that. And, and like most of us, I think uh, we can attest to this, that we're so focused on working, 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 working up until the last day that we push aside our, our own issues and our own, uh, and our own things that we need to do. And that's where most people fail uh, to adequately prepare for their for their retirement, especially their VA claim. So, when it comes to the VA claim, what I try to tell people to do, and the advice that I that I try to you know try to impart on people is, you want to start at least thinking about it at your two year mark from retirement. And and what I mean by that is that start thinking about all the things that you may have all the injuries or illnesses that you may have acquired while your while your time in the service. Uh, if you've never been to medical for them before, because the mission came first and you know what, Hey, for whatever reason, you could just said, Hey, you know, I'm gonna put that to the side. The back pain isn't as bad. You know, now's the time start making your monthly visits to your PCM, to your doctors, whether it's your orthopedic guy, your urologist, whatever your specialty doctors start going in start annotating that stuff uh, because that's going to pay dividends when it comes time to put in for your VA claim. Now, as you start going through your medical record, like uh, Mike, you were saying, you know, you're starting to scrub your record. You're starting to scrub your ALTA record. And you mentioned a couple different types of records. And that's very important. I'm glad you said that because everything is gone electronic now, right? Across the services, whether it's the Army or the Air Force or whatever, everyone is in ALTA. And, and within Alta, the, the medical management system of that, there's also other, um, other subcategories, right? You have your Hames records, you have your records from, from, your, uh, from MedPros, you have all these joint service uh, databases that your records can be found in. And so you really want to make sure that you have, you have all your records from every angle covered, not only your military service records, but your civilian. Your chiropractors, if you paid for the chiropractor yourself, get those records. If, you, if you're in a remote location where you didn't have access to a military treatment facility because you're, you're operating remotely, right? And you have to go TRICARE Prime Remote and you're seeing a civilian doctor. The military is not going to request those for you. You have to do that. So it's very important to gather. Number one, gather all your medical records, making sure you have the most comprehensive list that you can. If you have someone in medical that you know 
that you're in tight with, your medic, your doc, whoever the case may be, and they're willing to do that for you, then great. That's fantastic. But most people don't have that, right? So requesting your records from your MTF, right? Whether it's hard copy record, um, meaning that someone's going to print that out for you single-sided, or your electronic record, making, making sure that someone puts it on a CD, on a disc that you can print out later, right? So however you can get your comp the most comprehensive copy of your medical record, that's very, very important, okay? What about uh, you uh, mentioned what about, uh, I had a question too, because I remember this, this was brought up for me, like your, my, all my regular medical records were in one spot. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I had my Alta notes, which if you're not familiar with that, that's your electronic record. And then uh, the other one, they said, hey, any mental health notes too, because that's... Mm. Um, Correct. you know, especially if you're looking at like, um, PTSD type stuff, uh, TBI, you, you know, there's a lot of us that uh, there's this big stigma around that and people are afraid to go talk to somebody. And I, I think that's like a, a big contributor to why we're in this, this spot that we're in with veterans and, and mental health issues. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to make that, that quick caveat there because that's, something separate that's not going to come with your, your normal records. Correct. And, you know, that's a very valid point. You know, we, we do have a lot of mental health issues. Uh, me being on the right side now, being on the, on the retiree side and, and working at, a, at the VA here in North Chicago, uh, you know, there is a lot of veterans with history of combat, non-combat PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, and, and any other sort of mental health issue, um, both, you know, uh, non-combat PTSD, such as military sexual trauma and whatever other things that you may have experienced. Access to those records are very, very limited, meaning that your regular corpsman, your regular doc at the clinic, they may not have access. They may not have permission to that. So that's one thing, and I'm glad you brought that up, that you may have to physically go to that mental health provider and ask them for those copies of those records, and they have to sign a release. Uh, you, have, you may have to sign a release and, and they may ask you, what is it for? And it's for your VA claim, you know? So that's super important. Even if you went to special programs outside of the military, right? Because we know as, as especially as uh, operators, right? You guys as EOD technicians and, and any of the other special forces or special operators out there, uh, a lot of times you do seek help outside special. NICO, for example, is a, is a good one. Um, any of these other, any of these other uh, university level kind of programs that help with PTSD and traumatic brain injury that you've been to, getting those access and those may need special requests to get them. So that's a good point because we, we, do, miss, we do miss mental health records a lot. And that's and it's a big issue to get compensated for after the fact. Like Mike was saying, you do it now because after the fact is really, really tough. So yeah. So, um, Records, we got that, you know, making sure that's done, making sure you have an accurate copy, making sure that you list out for yourself. Um, what I, what I've, I think I helped, I think I helped you, Trevor, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and several of the yep. other guys that I used to work with there is, hey, we sat down and said, hey, let's make a list. You make a list of all the things that you've encountered throughout your career, back pain, toe pain, ear pain, whatever the case may be, and then we're going to scrub that against your medical record. And we're going to see if it matches up and there may be a, there may be a lot of duplicates and there, there may be a lot of things that you forgot or that they forgot and so we want to make a, a nice comprehensive list of conditions and that's, so that you can include it in your vehicle 
you know, that's, that's the thing too. Like I was 37 when I retired. Um, it may take a while for, you know, I tell people don't, don't discount anything. If you rolled your ankle on a PT run, put it in there because as you get older, that stuff starts to compound. It gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So an example of that would be plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis is a condition that we all get in the military when the bottom of your foot starts to really hurt. It really hurts first thing in the morning when you wake up. It's really tight. And as you, as you move throughout the day, it gets better. A lot of people have it. Runners have it. Um, they get it. It goes away. And then you think nothing of it. And then you say, I don't need that in my claim. Um, I, I don't need I'm fine. But when you start hitting, when you're retired and all of a sudden you're not running anymore and you start becoming a little bit more sedentary, that plantar fasciitis flares up. If you didn't claim it at the beginning, you may not be able to do so after. So that's just an example of what you're saying. It's like, hey, make sure you get in there because it, it may, that, that pain may come back. And so you want to make sure you record that. And basically what you're saying is you're using your medical record as the validation for mm -hmm. anything that you're claiming. So when it goes through to the VA later on in the process, that's just your checks and balances, right? Correct. Correct. And, and even, and just, and a lot of people also think, and, you know, I've had people say, well, I never went to the clinic, so they're not, I can't claim that because it didn't happen. That's incorrect. That is incorrect. Because if you, like most of us, we all suffer from some sort of back pain, right? Whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. And most of the time we, we, we've sucked it up. We haven't gone to the doc. We haven't done anything and we just live with it. We muscle through it. Never, it was never written down, but you have it. All you have to do is go in once for that doctor. In my experience, what I've recommended, go see your doc. Hey, I've had back pain in 2002. I was on an op. I got injured. I fell off a caving ladder. I fell, I, you know, I took a misstep, fell down a ladder well, whatever, fell off a five ton, hurt my back, but now it's bothering me. Annotate it. Get that history in now. So, yeah, that's important. This important medical record, you know, using that as your guide is super important to file your claim. I think the, the, the big thing with that is that you want the supporting documentation that, that the stuff that's wrong with you is service related. Correct. You want to make sure that it is, it is, there is a lot of things that you're going to get rated for the VA. There may be a lot of things that are, they're, they're going to say not service related. And so you may, and, and, there, and that's a topic for another conversation. We can definitely get to see how you can, you can fight that and say, yes, this happened in the service. And then you can, you can re reopen a case and, 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 and do that after the fact. But I think the purpose today is really to say, hey, let's get this right the first time. So you don't have to do that after you're out. Let's make sure we get this 100% right or at least close to it. So you get the max benefit from filing the claim. And uh, something I learned along the way, and I think you and I actually, Jose, you're the one that taught me about this is like, hey, Make sure that on top of that, that, that being service related is that anything that's service related that can be attributed to service in a combat zone, because there's some additional stuff that comes with that. Absolutely. So, so most, most, uh, most of the time, if you have, it's called C, I think you're talking about CRSC, combat related service compensation. Yep. Right. So. What is that and how do you, how do you apply for that? You know, and that's, uh, you know, um, 
goes hand in hand with filing your VA claim, especially if you fought, if you were in a combat zone, if you were in armed conflict, you know, if you got, you know, if you were in any of those, fit any of those descriptions. Um, if your rating comes back and it's rated to be in a combat zone, then you can apply for CRSC, Combat Related Service Compensation. The eligibility for that is, is, is you have to pay attention to, the, to that eligibility because you can get CRSC if you've met one or two requirements. When you're being medically retired, meaning you're going through the medical board and some of your and your medical retirement is due to injuries related to a combat zone or a combat environment or hazardous duty or imminent danger or whatever the case may be. And the other one is, you know, in order to qualify for a CRSC, you have to have completed 20 years of service. Right. So you want to make sure that you verify the eligibility of combat related service compensation. Every service branch is different. So I definitely encourage you to look at what the Army says, the Marine Corps, the Air Force, and of course, what the Navy says about CRSC. So yeah, that's important as well, making sure that you annotate all that. And a lot of times, right, uh, we've all been on deployments where we don't say anything to the doc and it never gets recorded. So that one time that you were, you were breaching a door or something happened and you, you know, you, your, your bell got rung, but you're like, you shook it off and you didn't say anything. Well, now it's starting to catch up to you, right? Or you tweak your ankle, right? Uh, stuff, stuff like that. You know, that happened in a combat zone. You were on an op and it occurred and you want to make sure that that injury, if it was severe enough or not, you know, you want to make sure it's annotated. Hey, this occurred. So, you know, all those things taking us, take into, you have to take all that into consideration. So I guess, uh, how do we start applying for that? You know, there's, there's, um, so you get to the point where you've gotten all your medical records. You know, you sit down with your representative at your local command or in your local area. Now, you certainly can go to the DAV or the Legion or the VFW or every state has their own Department of Veteran Affairs. In Virginia, you have the Virginia Department of Veteran Affairs. They will they have representatives or VSOs that can definitely help you submit your claim, right? But when you're active duty, you want to make sure that you're going to submit your claim six months prior to you retiring. And that's called benefits delivered on discharge, BDD. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think what we try to do. Mike, I think that's what you're trying to do. You're, you're, you're submitting your claim as BDD six months prior. You want to make sure that's done and, and, and complete it, correct? Absolutely. Are they, yeah, they're, they're so, having some issues with backlogs for that right now because of COVID, aren't they? Because I've talked to a few people that have, yeah. that have ran into that. Absolutely. I mean, everybody right now, uh, the, the VA claims are backlogged because of COVID. The medical boards are being backlogged because of COVID. Um, so absolutely there is. But don't let that discourage you from applying under the BDD program. The purpose of the BDD program is so that you submit your claim while you're still on active duty. And the goal of that program is so that by the time you retire, your claim has been submitted, processed, reviewed, and adjudicated, meaning that they've given you a percentage for your VA claim for your regular retirement process. So when you get out, if you get out December 31st, 
your last day in, in the military, December 31st and January 1st, you are now a veteran. Within that month's time frame of you retiring, you should be getting a letter from the VA saying, this is your disability rating. This is what you're going to get every month, et cetera, et cetera. Because yeah. if you don't do that, if you don't do that, what happens? You have to then submit it after the fact. And now you have to wait six months. And now you may be relying on that income and you don't have income. I can, I can tell you me personally, I think, cause you helped me with mine. And at the time I thought it was 60 days cause it used to be 60 days to get your claim in. So I got mine in 65 days out and they were like, mm -hmm. no, it's 90 days. And I was like, what? Um, yeah, it's so yeah, I got my appointments like the week after I got out, I went through and did them all in that week. And then mm -hmm. I think I finally got my letter and started getting my back pay and all that stuff like four months later. So had I not mm -hmm. saved up a bunch of cash, like for paying yep. bills and stuff like that, I, I could have been in a bad spot. Correct. And you, you know, that's a good point because if you, if you do not submit your claim at your six month mark, right. Um, if you hit your 90 day window, like you said, not your 90 day window from getting out, you can no longer do BDD, uh, benefits delivered on discharge. So if you hit day 89, then you can't do BDD, right? Then it goes into the regular, into the regular VA and claim process. And it could take, you know, like you said, four or five months until you get your first paycheck and your back pay after you leave the, after you retire. So I try to encourage everyone do the BDD, submit it six months out. If you're worried about you're missing an appointment or, hey, there's, there's stuff I could still add to it, don't worry. You'll, you, can, you can add more stuff after, but get it submitted at the six-month mark, at the 180, at the 180 mark, if, if, you, if at all possible. So. I've heard a lot of folks getting uh, appointments that are not, not with the VA, but a lot of folks are getting appointments that are folks that are they're contracted out now. Yes. Have you, uh, is that the same expectations or is there any difference? Have you seen anything? Is it smooth, you know, smooth sailing as normal or uh, any, anything yeah. you've seen from your end? So I, I think that is, uh, they've streamlined the process quite a bit since, uh, since I was active. And I think they've improved upon it, especially during the COVID. Um, there was, there are some delays, of course, still because of COVID, but, but, um, what they will do is they will mix match appointments. So some appointments you'll have at the Hampton VA, right? You may get your hearing test at the Hampton VA. You may have to go up there or, or any local VA you're, you're at, whether it's in Detroit or California or Florida, you will have some appointments at your local VA. And then some appointments will be through a contractor. Typically it's called QTC. They're the one, they're the main contractor that does all the, the VA disability appointments. Now, one thing I will say about these contract civilian uh, appointments that people go to. What I was told um, by my VSO when I applied for this is like, it's time to take the S off your chest. Take the Superman S off your chest. I know that sounds kind of weird or maybe dumb in a way, but when you go to these QTC appointments, they're not like an appointment, like a normal doctor's appointment. They're not going to listen to your heart. They're not going to ask you how you're feeling. It's, it's quick, down and dirty. Come in. What's wrong with you? My back hurts. Okay. How much does it hurt? How often does it hurt? They barely even look up at you. They're, they're going off a checklist, right? 
and they have to meet that checklist. And so a lot of people come out of those appointments frustrated because they tell me, Jose, I went to my QTC appointment and the guy was, the guy or gal was a dick. Excuse my language. They were mean. They didn't, they didn't even look at me. They no, didn't that, do anything. That's good. We you actually, know? we try to squeeze in at least one potty word per podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fucking so, so yeah. So, so they do that. They tell me that a lot. They're like, Hey, they, they didn't even look at me. They didn't even touch me. They didn't even freaking, you know, you know, examine my knee. I said, yeah, they're not going to. They want to see, they want, they just following a checklist. Is it mild pain? Is it moderate pain or is it severe pain? They may do range of motion exercises for your ortho problems, your arms and your shoulders and your knees and tell you to touch your toes. And that's not the time to suck it up and say, yeah, I can touch my toes. But, it, but while you're touching your toes, you're in, in sharp agony pain because you're doing it. You know, I'm not telling you to embellish. I'm telling you to be truthful. If it hurts to touch your toes, if it hurts to go down uh, halfway, tell them that. Hey, it, I can't touch my toes. It hurts right here. I can't lift my arm up above my head because it hurts, because it dislocates, because your disability rating is based off of, and I think, uh, you know, once again, I, I try to tell, I try to tell people, go to the CFR 38. The CFR 38 is what the VA uses to determine your disability rating. That's their encyclopedia, man. And so in that, and it's a huge document. So, the one I'll use, the specific example I'll use is PTSD. PTSD, they rate it at mild, moderate, or severe, 30, 50, or 70. That's what you're going to get for PTSD. Mild symptoms, 30%. Moderate symptoms, 50%. Severe symptoms, 70%. How do you get that? How do I know what is mild, moderate, or severe? Look at the CFR 38. It's going to tell you right then and there. And based off that, you're going to say, well, wait, yeah, my symptoms are severe. I do have night terrors. I do have social anxiety. You know, I do get agitated, et cetera. And that goes for every injury. It goes for your back. It goes for your knee. It goes for your headaches. It goes for your ear pain. It goes for your nose pain. It goes for everything, mild, moderate, or severe. Based off that is how you're going to get 10%, 20, 40, 100, whatever the case may be. But the CFR 38 is a good uh, guide so that when you read through it, you can look at it and you can say, yeah, I fit under the mild category or I fit under the moderate category. So that is what the QTC providers are doing. They're basing it on that scale based off your, what you tell them as your pain level is how they going to classify you. And if it meets mild criteria, moderate or severe, that's where you fall in. And the CFR 38, is that the one that has the four digit code? for each of those injuries or each of those symptoms? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Good point. Yes. Uh, they, they will have your, your VA disability code and, and you'll, you will need that VA disability code to apply for CRSC, for example, combat related service compensation. And next to that, you know, 4902, well, let's say, I think 4902 is PTSD. It may be, I, I don't quote me on that, but you know, you'll have a code and it'll say it next to what your diagnosis is. When you get your VA disability packet and your list of your list of disabilities, they'll have that code will be next to every diagnosis. And then that kind of gets us into, and I don't even, I don't even know if you want to get into it, but the, the crazy math, the crazy with, the VA. math with the VA. Yeah. 
The crazy math with the VA. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's like common. I look at it like common core math that our kids are probably learning in school. Um, you know, uh, you know, two plus two does not equal four for the VA. You know, uh, I can't, you know, I would do a disservice to accurately describe how they do it. But, you know, to, to give you kind of like a, a, a glimpse of how, you know, how I feel they do it or how I, or I understand how they do it is, you know, let's say you get 80% for your, for your back. They rated you at 80%. So that's your, that's your, that's your top percentage right now. And then it comes in and then they say, oh, we're going to give you 50% for your knee. Then they do a math between eight, then they take 50% of 80% and it drops it down. Uh, you know, it's super hard to explain. There is a calculator that you can find. You can type in VA disability calculator, how accurate they are. I don't know. Uh, I don't recommend people doing it because then they think that that's what they're going to get and I don't want to mislead them. Yeah, very, very tough. So I try, I just try to say, hey, you know what, listen, you know, it, it, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you what you're going to get. Um, and so that's very, very tough for me to kind of describe how to do that calculation. So what else, uh, you know, so we've gotten the medical records. Uh, you, you know that you can apply for the benefits delivered on discharge. You got everything ready. You go to your, you're going to go to TAPS class. And typically everyone that's doing a regular retirement goes through TAP class. Now, primarily it's all done online. Because of COVID, there's, uh, there's very few in-person classes and therefore uh, they, may not, they may not be doing it uh, as much as before. However, every base installation has a veteran service organization on the base that will help you help prepare for your VA claim. In Virginia, there's, uh, there's one at Norfolk, the Disabled American Veterans. And so just look at your base directory and find out what, what VSO is on base. And they will most likely help you with your, uh, your VA claim for your benefits delivered on discharge. What I have found is that your VSOs out in town, your civilian, the guys that are off base, they won't do BDD claims. The only ones that do the BDD claims for active duty are the ones on base. That's what I have found. So, Make sure that you you contact that individual, whoever that is. There's several forms that you'll need uh, to file your claim. What I tell people to do is is find out what those forms are and have them pre-filled out, pre-completed before you submit your claim. You know, don't wait for the don't wait for the VSO to do it. You know what I mean? Um, you do it. So one of them is, and I think you know, I you know, I believe they're still the same one. It's a 526EZ form. Uh, that is the main application for your VA claim. That's the one where uh, that's the one where you will list all your your conditions. And there's a there's a location there where it's going to be listed one to twenty, I believe. If if it, the form hasn't changed, and you'll list all your conditions. All right, your sleep apnea, your back pain, your elbow pain, whatever. If you need more, uh, then if you need more sheets than, than just that one page, then there's another form called the six eighty six. Charlie, I believe, the VA form 686 Charlie. Um, that one is like a supplemental form where you can add a personal statement or a statement in support of claim, I think it's called. And then that way you can do your continuation of your, of your condition. The other one is one for your dependents. 
If you are married, you want to make sure that you fill out that form. If you have kids, you want to make sure you have fill out that form. I think it's the 4138, something like that. If don't, you know, once again, I, I don't have it with me, but I, I think it's the VA form 4138. Um, and in that one, you list your marriages, you know, how many marriages you've had, prior marriages, divorce. You may need birth certificates. You may need a divorce decree. Uh, you list your dependents, whether, you know, adopted or not, um, because the VA will pay you according to dependents. So you want to make sure you have those forms pre-filled out. So that way, when you go to the, see that your VSO specialist to submit your claim, it's already done. And yes, they're probably going to change things and that's fine. Let them change it. But that's what I tell people to do. Yeah. So once, once we have those forms dropped off, what's the time frame we're looking at um, from the time we have those at the, at the DAV or that the, the, the rep, what are we looking at for the processing time once we're under the BDD? Sure, sure. So once you've completed all the forms, you sat down with your VSO, they verified everything, you've signed everything. Um, typically, you can expect to start getting your VA appointment probably within, at the earliest, four weeks, at the latest, six, six weeks from the time you submitted your VA claim form. And I believe you have... It's it's a pretty hard and fast on meeting those appointments. I think you you don't have much wiggle room. It's a you, you got a show or it's a no go kind of thing. And I think you have very little chances to reschedule. But I'll, I'll let you answer that. So correct, you're right. Once you get your medical appointments, you want to make sure that you're not going to go anywhere, that you're not on leave anywhere, that you're not doing anything, that you don't have a job. Well, if you do have a job, you know I mean you can still work around it. But ideally. Ideally, that's why we want you to do it during while you're on active duty, because then you can get all your medical appointments done. So that when, when you do retire, you can go right into the new job and you don't have to tell your new boss, hey, I need to I need to cut out three times this week because I have VA appointments. You know, so, yes, those appointments are pretty much hard and fast. Uh, there is not much wiggle room to schedule them. And if you're if you plan on moving, let's say you're you know, you're in Chicago where I'm at. And I'm going to move to Florida. You want to tell them you're moving to Florida. Because if you move to Florida and they schedule all your appointments for Chicago, you're either going to pay a plane ticket and you're going to have to stay here in Chicago until you complete those medical appointments, or you're going to have to reschedule everything and delay the whole process so that you can move to Florida. So, But I think if you're, if you're up front with them, won't they schedule your appointments in Florida if you tell them you're going to be there, your, whatever your location is going to be? Absolutely. Absolutely. We do it all the time here in Chicago. I have a lot of service members that do transition out. I know I came in, I'm moving to Ohio. I'm moving to Iowa. I want all my, all my medical appointments scheduled in Iowa. Good to go. We tell the VSO that the, the VA rep then reaches out and does all that in whatever location you're going to be at. But, you know, like you just said, you want to make sure that you're, that you're at those appointments. Um, and you want to make sure that whatever new job you have, that you tell that your boss, um, that hey, I'm a veteran. I'm I'm applying for my VA claim, and these and I have to make these appointments. There's no way around. So let's say, let's go further on in the process, and, I, and let's say like the in Trevor's case when he didn't quite meet the BDD, and and I'm sure some of the other folks that are going to listen to this, let's say everything doesn't work out as planned. <laughs> Cause Lord knows we've all been doing this for a long time and things just don't always work out as planned. What are some of the lessons learned that you can share for folks, you know, the hard, hard lessons learned 
that maybe we can put out there that folks can maybe not repeat. And, uh, you know, some of the things that, you know, that, that hopefully we can learn from and, <laughs> and not make those same mistakes. I think, I think the, the mistake we've all, a lot of us have made, including myself, when I filed my own VA claim was that uh, I put my own issue, I put my own importance off to the side. You know, it's hard for us to disconnect from a career in the military. So one thing is, hey, this is your time. It's time to make you the priority. So I feel a lot of people, uh, that's one lesson learned. I failed to make myself a priority, and therefore my VA claim suffered. So don't don't do that. For anybody listening, make yourself the priority. Don't say, oh, I got nine months, man, I'm good. You know, I got two years, I'm good, I don't have to worry about that. No, because you know what? It catches up, and then all of a sudden you have eight months left. Oh, I got two months before I can file my claim. No big deal. Jose said six months, I can do it. And then all of a sudden now you got five months and four months and three months, and you're outside your window. Because you have to plan retirement. You have to plan where you're going to move to. You're getting resumes done. You're doing interviews. And then everything else takes precedent. And the most important thing, which is your VA claim, in my mind, you start pushing that, pushing that, pushing that because you think you have time. Don't. That needs to be a priority. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of folks here lately, even especially where I work, you know, they're talking about putting off things like skill bridge because they, they don't want to do it because they got a, you know, they got a relief coming in during that time or mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. want to make sure they get a proper turnover and things like yeah. that. And I mean, I'll be honest, yeah. even as the command master chief, I'm like, hey, man, this organization, I can guarantee you will continue to operate just fine without you. So take care of you, do your thing, mm-hmm. transition properly and move on. Now, maybe it's because that's in my face right now, but, uh, and maybe four or five years ago, I wouldn't have said the same thing, but uh, I mean, now that I'm a little bit wiser to the fact, uh, I will say the Navy, the command, the, you know, the, every, everybody, it, that, that train will continue to go on down the road and folks need to just take care, start looking at them, take care, take care of themselves because it, be honest with you, it, it, it's going to be just fine. And, right. you know, having that proper exit is, is key. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of senior leadership, um, we all fall into that category where, where, you know, it, it doesn't affect you until it affects you. Right. Uh, and the missions first, missions first, missions first. And then all of a sudden you're up against the timeline. You're like, Oh, wow. Now it's my turn. And so then it hits you in the face. And so, yeah. I can't emphasize, like I said, I can't emphasize that enough. It's super, super important that you make time for yourself. You've made time to make a wonderful career of however many years you've served, made it to as high ranking as you can make it. You've dedicated yourself to that. Use that same effort, that same energy, that same dedication to focus in on your VA claim and on your transition. Because you redirecting that energy, you're going to have a very, very successful transition if you do that, in my mind. And, and the people that have done that have done very, very well. The people that have not focused on themselves, not focused on their transition, have run into issues with their VA claim, with their uh, retirement. Uh, if they're doing 20, if they're retiring in 20 years, uh, DD-214s come back inaccurate because they didn't take the time to update their record. The VA claim, uh, they have to wait months and months and months, and then they get 
you know, 20% instead of the 100% that they should have gotten, right? Because of all their injuries. They don't have a proper place to go to because now they didn't plan for relocation, whether you're buying, renting, or what the case may be. You know, job market, uh, well, they waited too long. You don't have a resume. You don't have a federal resume. You don't have a, you don't have a suit to interview. You know, so I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen veterans get, go homeless because, and I, and I don't take that lightly. I, I'm, I'm telling you, guys have, got, have been homeless uh, because they have not properly transitioned and they don't have money in their pocket. And you have to put them in a, in a shelter because they don't have a VA claim because they didn't prepare themselves. And I know it's extreme. I know I'm going on the extreme because yeah, that's never going to happen to me, but it happens. It happens. And it's a shame. It's just one of those things where it's like, if you don't take control of it, it's going to control you. I mean, you, you know, the more proactive you are in, in handling the situation, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just going to give you that much more maneuver room later on. Cause it's funny. You might say, well, you know, my VA claim's not going to be that hard. And then, but your VA claim's not the only thing that you're doing. There is a ton of stuff to do. And in two years, uh, you know, different people will say different things. I personally would say like, you should start knocking stuff out at, at the two year mark. If you can, mm-hmm. I did it. I started at like the probably 14 month mark. And I started to get, you know, a little bit busy when I was maybe uh, 10, 10 months out. And then I had a four month deployment. I don't really want to call it a deployment because I was, I was in Destin, Florida, which, you know, I know it was dangerous because of sharks and stuff, but um, yeah, I came back and then I had a month to turn my team over and then I had three months left. And I think that's when you and I got hot and heavy (laughs) and, and, uh, yeah, everything was on fire. That was, I could tell you this, if you don't give yourself the time to do it, you're going to be like me and, and have the most stressful time of your life. Just trying to cram all that stuff in, in such a short time frame. Correct. And in, in my job now as a, as a recovery care coordinator uh, for the Navy Wounded Warrior Program, I do help a lot of service members transitioning out, uh, primarily service members that are going through the medical board process. Right. These are these are service members that don't have 20 years in. Now they're facing medical retirement. Quite a bit different than most of us that, you know, do over 20 and we have we have our military retirement and our VA, VA disability claim. And we get what we call CRDP. Um, you know, concurrent retirement disability pay uh, for completing 20 years of service. So I start prepping. I start my transition goal setting with these service members and the conversations that I have with these service members are when I initially start their planning is here's here's we're going to go over three things. And what I tell them is what are your plans when you transition? Option one, you plan to work after you get out and that's what you plan to do. And that's fine. You plan to become a full-time student and not work. You plan to work and become a student. Or you plan to live off your disability, your disability because you're that strong financially that you don't need to work, that you don't need to do anything. You're, you're set up. So which category do you fall into? And based off those categories, that category, then I develop their transition plan. And what do I mean by that? Meaning is, okay, let's start planning your transition. Let's start looking at your VA claim if you're not in the medical board. 
Let's start building a timeline for when you want to submit that. Let's start building a timeline for getting your resume written up. And there's a ton of resources that we can go into for getting your resumes written for you. The one I use is hireheroesusa.org. That's the one I used when I retired. That's the one I recommend. And I've had very positive comments off that. There's tons of others that if you, if you, that you can use. Um, I talk about looking at the job market. Where do you want to, where is it that you want to work? You know, what type of employment? You know, there's, a, there's different resources that can help you develop your occupational interests. You know, career scope is one of them through the GI Bill. You know, so, I mean, there's just a ton of resources and a ton of planning that takes into effect, like you said, Trevor, about, you know, so two years is a good starting point because you really want to start thinking about that. Are you going to relocate? If so, where? Are you going to buy? Are you going to rent? Are you going to live with family for these young guys? Are you going to live in the college dorm? You know, these are things that, you know, believe it or not, you're thinking, well, that's common sense, you know, transitioning. I get a lot of, I get a lot of frozen looks when I start going over these things. TRICARE, how to enroll in TRICARE, how to enroll in dental, how to enroll in vision, how to get your kids in TRICARE, how to update your deers. What about your my pay? You know, yeah. man, we, I mean, you know, there's a whole, like, you know, and I'm just, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I, I'm kind of reminded of that scene from Step Brothers where he's like, yeah, he's like, do, <laughs> do I walk around with my high school diploma every day or, or yeah. what? Like, yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of what it feels like, you know, for me, I, you know, sometimes I ask my wife stuff like, Hey, do you, I'm used to like, Hey, if I wasn't feeling good, I just go into work and go to the dock and say, Hey, whatever. I'm like, Hey, how do you, uh, how do you schedule a dental appointment? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what I, what I, and, and she just looks at me like, are you, are you being serious? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, here, and here's the other thing too, is like, you know, we're all retiring. So we, we've all retired or going to be in a process of retiring. And some people say, I don't need to do a VA claim. I'm retired. I'm going to get TRICARE. Yes, you are. But, you know, it's important for you to file your VA claim and establish medical care at the VA because why, what will happen? A lot of people think, oh, once I get my VA disability and it's 80%, it's never going to change. That's false. If your, your, your percentage can go up or it can go down. Most people want it to go up, right? But I've seen it go down. I've seen people at 80% all of a sudden drop to 50% and then they freak out or 40% and then they freak out. Oh, my, my VA disability dropped. What happened? Well, when's the last time you went and saw a VA doc? Well, I haven't seen them in a year. Okay. Why not? Oh, because, you know, you know, it's too difficult or it's too far or I've been working or life happens and I just haven't gotten there. Well, guess what? That PTSD that you had at 70 percent that you never gone to the doc for, that's never been annotated since you retired, now dropped to 50 percent because they're going to assume that you're fine. Oh, he's never he hasn't he hasn't made his appointments. Mental health, nothing scheduled, hasn't done anything. He must be good. Bam, 50 percent. Now, there is an exception to that, though, right? Yes, there is an exception. I believe when you think about uh, if you're found to be 100% permanent and total. Yeah, because that's the rating that I got. And so, 
meaning that your condition is, is, is permanent and total. It's never going to change. It's going to stay the same. It's going to progressively, it's going to, it's going to progress and it's not going to get better. Like this is as far as you're going to go. You know, your, your herniated disc is never going to get better. There's no chance of you healing from a herniated disc or whatever case may be. Right. Um, or your prostatitis is not, it's not automatically your prostate automatically is not going to shrink back down again, you know, uh, et cetera. So a hundred percent permanent total. And I think Mike, you hit it, you know, all these little side uh, benefits that you get from not only from the VA, but also from your state, that's important too, because depending on your percentage, you need to look at the state that you're in, Florida, Texas, Illinois, whatever. Look at look on their websites and see what you as a resident of that state are eligible for based off your VA disability rating. For example, in Illinois, some states require you to be 100% permanent and total disabled to, in order to get property taxes exemption on your home, right? Not here in Illinois. In Illinois, it, you can either be 30, 50, or 70% disabled, and you'll get some sort of property tax exemption. So 30% means like you'll get like $2,000 off your property taxes. 50% means like five grand. 70% means you, you're completely exempt from property taxes in Illinois. I'm, I'm at 90%. I don't pay property taxes in Illinois. And if you know, and if you know anything about Illinois, you know that we have the highest property taxes among the highest property taxes in the country. My property taxes on my home here are $14,000 a year compared to four grand or five grand in other states. Because I'm over 70%, I'm exempt. So understanding, like Mike was saying, understanding what your state benefits are pays huge dividends. Education, another huge dividend if you're 100% permanent and total. Did you know that if you are 100% permanent and total and you have kids that are college age and you're worried about, man, I, I didn't transfer my 9-11 GI Bill. How are they going to pay for college? Well, if you're 100% permanent total, you can apply for dependent education assistance. Meaning that your spouse, your children can all apply for that benefit and potentially the VA will pay for their education, including yours. Let's say you run out of your, you run out of GI Bill. You can't use voc rehab for whatever reason. Uh, then you can, you know, you know, you have that dependent education assistance for that. So there's a ton of benefits that, that really you need to, you need to investigate. And it's all ties into our topic, which is VA claim. It's all guided by your VA claim. Yeah. And I think we're, we're actually planning on doing a, we might have you back when we do a, a separate episode, just about like what's all the, the the extra benefits that come along with your VA disability rating. Yeah, we can, I mean, you can do, we can, yeah, I'd be more than happy to, to do whatever and be a part of that and, and explain because there's a lot, you know, I mean, the, there's the few good benefits like, you know, Hey, you get free hunting license, free fishing. Okay, great. Yep. I got that. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and, and for those folks that are, that aren't a hundred percent disabled, but can't work. Right. You know, so here's the other thing with, and, and I, I get this a lot and, excuse me if I'm sidetracking, but you know, I think it's important because a lot of people think, well, if I get hundred percent disabled from the VA, does that mean I can't work? No, it doesn't mean that you can't work. 
Okay. Um, there is, there is a percentage. There is a, uh, there is something called UI unemployability insurance, right? That's for veterans that do not have a hundred percent disability from the VA, but maybe that are at 80% or 90% or whatever, but they really, really cannot work because of their condition. And so you can't work. And because you can't work, you go to the VA and you, you apply for unemployability insurance. What that does is that the VA, if you gets approved, you get paid as if you were a hundred percent disabled because you physically literally cannot hold a job. Now don't get caught working because if yeah. they caught you, if they catch you working, then they can get you on fraud. If they, if you get that, can you also apply for social security disability? Correct. Because that's saying, that's saying because of my physical injuries or my mental health situation, I cannot work. So then you can also apply for social security disability insurance which I help out with a lot as well. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty significant. Uh, some of that stuff that you're talking about, I guess that's the big thing is, is people don't know about this stuff. And it's kind of the, the purpose of Mike and I getting on here and having discussions with people like you, like $14,000 a year that you're saving yeah. because you did it the right way. That's, yeah. I, I think when you put numbers to things like that, that that really it maybe drives the point home a little bit better for a lot of people, you know, and, and to even drive it even further, I don't think I could have afforded a home here with that property tax, you know, because, or not the home that I'm in now, I, I, I could afford a home, but it would have been a smaller home or an older home or not, you know, you know, the way I look at it is every one of us is accustomed to a certain quality of life and you want to continue that quality of life after the military right yeah so the benefits that you get from the va and from the military will help you maintain that quality of life to the point where the goal is for you to have a nest egg and more income and so that you're living comfortably and you're not having a you're not having to you know struggle is the goal i would probably say the state of virginia passed uh was it an amendment or whatever it was to the to the constitution of the the state of Virginia about the vehicle personal property tax for disabled veterans. They're supposed to wipe that off too, which that's should be used. I mean, that's, they sent me a bill for my Toyota Tundra after I bought that thing in like 2014, they wanted an extra $1,700 a year for that thing. I mean, and that, that's not a, I mean, I see some of these trucks out here now that are $75,000. I can't imagine what they're paying. Yeah. Every year to the to the city of Suffolk or Norfolk or Virginia Beach. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a lot of money. I mean, you add that like you're saying that you know the the real estate taxes on top of that, and then you get discounts on your on your plates, on your I believe you get a, a didn't you get a, a your discount on your license too? I believe Trevor. Yeah, I well, I guess I could have got my license for free if I did the Purple Heart thing. I'm just too. <laughs> I've never, I've never done that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, there, there's uh, some other ones, and I, you know, I think like we'll talk about. We'll just go through the the Virginia website and some of the other states and just outline them on another show all about that. But you know, I just I think when you look at it big picture and you put all that stuff together. Um, it's insane. Like 
quit doing it right the first time or not, or even worse, not doing it right the first time can cost you down the road. And, and I, you know, for me, like the, the college planning one, that's a, you know, just because of my profession working in financial services, if I'm working with somebody who's retiring and I know that's one of their goals, that's one of the first things I talk about is like, Hey, let's, let's talk a little bit about your VA disability then, because that, you know, that's potentially a way to solve that issue. Correct. Uh, and how fun college, you know, and, and a lot of veterans think, well, I'm just going to live off my post on 11 and my, my stipend. Uh, and that, that not may not be enough. Uh, so, you know, I, one of the points I want to touch on uh, that you mentioned a minute ago is, is what happens when, when you're on the right side of the DD-214, and by that I mean you're retired, you're out, and your VA claim goes wrong. And, and even if you did everything according to the timeline, you submitted it six months out, you turned everything in, you thought, hey, man, you know, I did everything good to go. I'm solid. And all of a sudden you get your, your VA disability is 60% or 40%, and you're pissed off because you got 40, 60% and you're like, Hey, what the hell? This is no, how, how did I get this? What do I do? And so most people then they run to the VSO and immediately they think I want to appeal. And, and that's where I stop people and say, okay, appealing your VA claim is the last recourse. That's last. You don't want to start off the bat with that. You want to reopen your case. Okay, so you want to go back to that BS, the civilian BSO. You want to say, hey, you know, they made a mistake on my VA disability claim. This says it's not service connected. My back pain or my PTSD is service connected, and I want to resubmit a claim. I want to reopen it. And you'll sit down with that VSO and they'll reopen your claim. It's not going to stop anything, it's not going to take your benefits away. They're not going to not pay you. Everything continues as it is except they're going, to, they're going to reopen your case. They're going to review. And what are they reviewing? They're reviewing new evidence that you've provided. Any, any statements in support of your claim that your back or your PTSD or your TBI was service-related. It did happen in, in the service. You know, so, so there is a process to do that. You know, uh, so I would definitely make sure that you understand the process for reopening your VA claim, when to appeal, when not to appeal, what happens if you do go to the formal appeal board, you know, et cetera. Because that happens a lot. And that's the thing that I think most veterans go through. And every veteran that I've encountered, even myself, I've had to fight to get my percentage increased because of a condition that occurred while I was deployed in Africa. Can't mistake it. I was deployed in Africa. I got hurt. And they said it wasn't service connected and I had a fight. Yeah. And that's, I know that talking to other people who have, who have had to appeal or, you know, maybe not necessarily appeal, but that is um, once you're out, like that, that process becomes a lot more ridiculous. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, we use the term appeal because I think that's just a, just a natural term to say, Oh, I'm going to appeal my VA claim. No, you need to reopen, you know, reopen your claim for reconsideration or for an increase. And on the form that they have you fill out, I think it's even the 526EZ form that we talked about earlier. That's the same form you're going to fill out. And then there's a section on there that says, are you appealing? Are you, uh, are you asking for an increase? 
whatever. So you're going to mark asking for increase or reopening your case. You're not appealing it. That's if everything else fails and they still haven't gotten the answer you want, then you say, okay, I'm tired of this. I'm going to appeal. it." Now, if you do decide to appeal, you're in for the long game. That's a, that's a minimum of five years. So just wow. be with, just be ready. That's the long game. You know, this is no more hurt. You know, this is now you're, now you're, you're just digging in your heels and you're going to be like, okay, I'm appealing it and I'm just going to wait. Dang, wow. That's, yeah. That's crazy. That, yeah. That's a long game <laughs> to put so, it mildly. So that, and that, and you know, that's where you have to have patience. That's where you have to have everything ready. And that's why I think coming full circle is making sure that your VA claim is done correctly. Now is going to avoid any possibility of you having to reopen your claim or file an appeal. And if you do things, if you do things now and you, you try to do the best that you can now, you will minimize and mitigate any of those other issues from happening. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't happen still, but they'll definitely be a lot less than, than if you didn't do anything. Especially I remember Mike showed me his, his medical rec records, plural, and I opened it up in the first page. It said, call me Ishmael at the beginning. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I just really wanted to drive home the point that we talked about, you know, and emphasize at the beginning is, you know, put, put aside the pride in all of this and, and really be upfront and honest with what hurts you now, if mm-hmm. even as small as it may be, because especially some of us, who have been in the the mental game and the blast game and the diving and the jumping and those kinds of things, you know, some mornings it's difficult. I won't say difficult, but it's a lot. It's not as easy to get out of bed when, when I was 30 as it is now that I'm 48. Um, I don't remember things as well as I used to. All that stuff. A lot of that stuff is documented but I know people who have not documented those things mm-hmm. and they've, they've paid for it in the end. And I think it's key, you know, it, this isn't going to get better. You know, I, I'm not going to all of a sudden turn 55 and get the, the, the find the fountain of youth and have all this great mobility and be able to remember, you know, pie to, you know, 150 digits and all that kind of shit. So it's, it's key to be smart about this and write all this stuff down and if it does bother you just a little bit, put it down, at least as a placeholder, you know, so that way later on in history, they can at least go back and go, I, I noted that, you know, so they, you know, if you ever have to go back to the VA later on, you can say, well, see that I put it in there mm-hmm. and they may have given you nothing for it at the time. Right. But it's in there. Correct. And, and that's, and I would rather you get 0% then not rated because zero percent gives you a chance you can always increase from zero but if it's not rated not service connected you have no chance and then you have to go through this appeal process and you have to go through this through this and and i say that from personal experience i mean i'm in my in my case uh when i was deployed to africa i uh i had a i had a i tore my achilles being out there with the guys you know horsing around blew my achilles out i had to get medevac back Long story short, I go to submit my VA claim. I put it in my VA claim, right? It comes back not service connected. 
of course. I hit the I hit the fan, you know, stomping, screaming, hitting doors, whatever, go to my VSO, and then it started the process. And I literally had to go back into my medical record, print out the medical notes, print out my medevac from Africa to Germany, highlighted stuff. Hey, this happened here, this happened here, this happened here, and submitted it to them and say, see, this happened in the military. It was service connected. And that took almost two years to do. So from experience, I've been through that, through that because I was not given, I did not have a podcast like this or people like this, like you guys to educate and to, and to warn and to really just gain knowledge. I didn't have this. And I was the guy that was too prideful. Corman, I wanted to make sure my troop was, was, was good to go and out the door. And I wanted to make sure the Corman that was taking over for me, which was a, a first class in E6. I wanted him, he was, you know, he was brand new IDC. I wanted to make sure he had what he needed because I didn't want to leave a, a, you know, a crap show, right? Like most of us, we don't want to leave. We want to leave it better than, than we got it. And so because of that, I paid, paid the price. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we definitely appreciate you coming mm -hmm. on here and, and sharing this stuff too, because I think that you put out a lot of good, good stuff that people wouldn't hear otherwise. Um, especially if they're just going through like the, the traditional or official transition stuff. What's so is there any other spots that, or, um, you know, places you would go recommend resources that people can look at to find out more information and in, in terms of getting ready to fill out their VA claim or any other organizations they should seek out? You know, and it, I use, I, I rely on my points of contact with the VSOs here in, in Illinois. Once I make a good solid connection, um, then I, I go to them. As far as blanket resources that anybody could access, um, obviously there's always the VA website. You can go there and it tells you the disability forms to use and you can download the disability forms, va.gov, you know, how to file my VA claim. Um, you know, there's, there's that. There is the CFR 38 you know, chapter four, chapter one, um, to explain all the disability codes that you go through is another really, really good resource. And then sitting down and, and sitting down like, you, like we are now and, and talking and say, hey, who, who did you go through? And, you know, good recommendations, uh, they're slower, they're slower than bad recommendations. If you, you know, bad recommendations, they, they spread like wildfire. You ever eat at a bad restaurant or you get your car fixed and the mechanic was crap, man, you're telling 20 people immediately. So listening to your peers, Hey, what their experiences are, what they use, what they didn't use. So that's what I do here. Um, when I set up my transition goal, I have a checklist that I go through with, with all service members and it has all the links to all the, uh, to all the, the sites that I recommend. Uh, and I tell them, go to the sites. If they're, if they're good for you, then use them. If they're garbage, tell me and I'll, and I'll throw them away. And that's how I develop my list, my resource list. But primarily for VA claim, I use the VA website for the forms. I use the CFR 38 to, to help them understand what the how the VA claim disability rating works. Uh, I I put them in touch with. I have found more success using the state VSOs 
meaning the Illinois Department of Veteran Affairs or the Virginia Department of Veteran Affairs, then I have the DAV, the VFW, or the Legion. In my experience, it could be different for someone else. But I, Yeah, I initially used the Virginia Department of Veteran Services one. And then mm-hmm. after that, I had uh, a great a great one. It was the one you recommended me to. Um, mm-hmm. She got hired away by, you know, those guys. Mm-hmm. down the street <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh so then I, it was almost kind of like i got ghosted i reached out to him several times and i never heard back from him yeah. um you know i don't know the reasoning behind that but i actually was looking at the dav to help me with my crsc and the the yeah. real estate tax exemption so yeah and in a lot of these things like the crsc you know um it you don't necessarily need to use the DAV if you're going to apply for some, if you understand there's, you can apply for it yourself, you can submit it yourself, etc. Um, here in Illinois, I use the DAV Crystal Hall. She is, she does all the, all my BDD claims for active duty service members. Um, and then I use another guy named Pat Cornett who works for the Illinois Department of Veteran Affairs. He's the one that helped me with my claim when I first got here. My claim was jacked up by the DAV in Norfolk. Uh, and when he looked at it here, he's like, Jose, they jacked you up. So we're going to redo this. So, and he's, uh, he's been, he, since then, uh, he's done all my other claims for other service members and good experiences. So really, you know, it's, it really is dependent on the area. Mike, what, I mean, so you're, you're the one I think here who can probably um, being going through this, what, you know, other questions, you think a, another transitioning service member might have that that we haven't covered today? Well, what about the CRC? I don't think we really got too much into. I mean, we got into how we go about. Well, what is it really? I mean, what is what is a CRSC? What does that what does that get you? Okay, so CRSC once again stands for Combat Related Service Compensation. Now, if you if you have a disability from the military that is combat related, and what I mean by combat related, it means that, that you suffered an injury during active combat, direct action, right? Purple heart, combat action, you can automatically, you can bet that you're going to get, you'll be eligible for CRC. If you were involved in a traumatic brain injury due to a blast or an incident in combat, that could get you CR, you could be eligible for CRC. And it will actually um, say on your claim too. It, it, it denotes whether it's combat related or not. Because when I got my correct. letter, I had a couple yep. of them that said that. Correct. So then keep that in mind. So you got your letter. It says combat related, combat related. So you're going to take those codes and then you're going to go to the CRSC application and then you're going to put it under the appropriate column. So for example, once you figure out that you're eligible to receive combat related service compensation, you fill out the application. There's going to be choices. There's going to be some yes or no's that you complete. And then there's going to be, um, were you a prisoner of war? Were you, what, what, um, what operation were you involved in that, that, you know, that causes injury or illness? OIF, OEF, Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam, whatever. Right. And then it says, then it, if I remember the form correctly, it goes into uh, direct combat. It goes into instrumentation of war, meaning if you got shot, got blown up by a grenade, et cetera, et cetera. Um, hazardous duty. So here's, here's where 
some people, what some people don't realize is that, especially EOD guys, you guys are exposed to more blasts in training than you probably are in in com in actual mission combat stuff. Correct, I would assume. I would say us and the breachers, especially yeah. breachers. Yeah. Yeah, so I would assume that you're more because you have to train, you have to know these, you have to know your equipment. So the only way you can do it is by getting out there and doing it. So that is what that's hazardous duty. That is, yeah. that is, uh, uh, training for war, war games as we, as we, if you want to term it that way. So if you get injured while training for deployment or training for a combat deployment and you got a concussion. You got PTSD from it. You got a TBI from it. You broke your leg, whatever. If you can prove that this happened while on hazardous duty, which you guys clearly do hazardous duty, then you can also qualify for combat related service compensation. It's not only for direct combat. You can also apply for it if you were in the process of training for a combat deployment and then you suffered an injury. So what is that? Okay, so you do all this, you you fill out the application, then what? You submit it to your service branch, whether it's the Army, the Marine Corps, or the Navy. You can go through your VSO and they can submit it, or if you know how to do it on your own, you can submit it, right? And the thing that it's going to give you, it's either going to give you a, 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 a kicker by meaning that extra money, on top of the money that you're getting from the VA, and from your retirement, you get a, you could get a CRSC kicker, 400 bucks, 900 bucks. I have a, a couple, a lot of the EOD guys that I worked with when I was with you guys. Uh, I got one guy, uh, he got like $900 a month extra, CR, CRSC, okay? But he got that kicker because he didn't serve 20 years. He was being medically retired, yeah. right? And so, and so why did he get a kicker and why do some guys don't? Well, the reason why you would get something like that is because your VA disability is non-taxable. It's not considered income mm -hmm. and you're not getting a retirement check. So then they give you a $900 kicker or a $500 kicker because of that on top of your VA disability. Now for guys like us that are 20 years in and we apply for CRSC, you may not get a kicker. You may get exempt for your retirement for, for taxes on your retirement. So let's say, let's say you were going to get, you know, you get approved for CRSC and they come back and say, okay, you got approved, but we're going to exempt, you know, uh, a portion of your taxes of your taxable. Income. So then you get that benefit. Right. In some cases they'll come back and say, even though you qualify for CRSC, unfortunately we cannot approve it because you make too much money. Yeah. You know, and that happens to a lot of the senior executive leaders, um, CMCs, COs, commander, you know, the, the, oh, a lot of the officers, you know, they get out and they're, you know, they're making good income. Yeah. And so they come back for CRC and they say, yeah, you're approved. Yes, you're eligible, but you're, you make too much. So sorry, we're not going to give you anything. Uh, you know, we're not going to give you a kicker, but we're going to give you maybe we're going to exempt you hundred bucks or 500 bucks or whatever on your taxable income, your retirement. And that's based off of like what you're making at the time of application, right? Uh, 
yes and no. Uh, it really, in my understanding, the way I've seen it always is, it's just, they look at your disability, they look at your disability codes. They want to make sure that it meets the criteria for CRSE, right? And then yeah. based on, based off the severity of your, of your disabilities is how they give you, is how they rate how much you get. Right. And so you have to provide all that supporting documentation. So they have you write a personal statement. I call it a shooter statement. Right. We all know we're all familiar with shooter statements. You write down what happened. Hey, I was on a convoy on this day, on that day. You know, I, I witnessed this, et cetera, X, Y, Z. This happened. And then the impact, you know, it's always cause and effect. You tell a good story. They're going to believe you. You tell a crappy story. No one's going to believe you. So be descriptive, be accurate in what happened to you, what happened, and then how has it affected your quality of life? If you do that, your chances of getting CRC and, and, and that other person reading your application is going to say, oh, okay, that makes sense. But if you just tell them, hey, I was blown up in 2007, okay. And it hurts. <laughs> and it hurts. Yeah, you and about a thousand other service members were blown up in the thought, and why are you different? Why should I give it to you and not to him or her? Right. So yeah. be descriptive. Yeah. It's just like one of these, you know, it's another one of those benefits on the side that not a whole lot of people talk about. And I don't think a lot right. of people know about. And, and I think that it's one of those, you just keep adding these little things up, you know, the, the education and the property tax, and then take a little bit off of the income tax and, you know, folks, need to be educated on these things because it really affects your bottom line at the end, you know, yep. and it can, it can mean a difference. Uh, it, it can mean a huge difference in quality of life, especially when I start adding up, you know, the ones and zeros when it comes to, to all this, it piles up, you know? Absolutely. And, and I would say for you in your own, in your own process, uh, as you, as you move through your transition, um, you should start filling out your CRSC application now as well. Now, remember you cannot, officially submit it until you have a copy of your dd214 okay okay so it on on the crc application it's going to have a checklist and it's going to tell you you need this you need this you need this copy your dd14 on the back of it it's going to tell you if you're in the army mail it here if you're in the navy mail it there whatever um and so you want to make sure that you have all that pre-filled out you have all the supporting documentation with it. You have your statement written in the form and you have a copy of your 214 ready to go. So the day, day, day one as veteran on the right side of the DD-214, it's in the mail. Sounds like a plan. You know, wake um, up, that, wake up yeah. don't shave. Yeah. <laughs> Put on yeah. your grunt style shirt, walk downstairs. Get my black rifle coffee. Yep. yep. Drink your black, black rifle coffee. Put on your multicam crocs. Drop yep. it in the drop it in the mail and done. Man, that I mean yeah, that's I we covered a lot of stuff today and that was awesome. Like I know uh, I appreciate you like first of all jumping on here and second of all you know, going the extra mile. Cause, uh, you know, I, this might even turn into two, a two part series, but, uh, I would definitely love to have you back on here. And cause this is a subject that, you know, we can talk about for, for tons of episodes yep. and we'll still yep. never cover everything. So, um, maybe even invite you back for a live Q and a session. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'm, I appreciate you know I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully, this was useful. Uh, and, and like I said to you guys initially, is I would definitely like to participate. And as long as I am useful and it's uh, information that is beneficial to to not only ourselves but to other, especially to other veterans and other service members, I'd be more than glad to to help out in whatever way I can. Awesome. Appreciate the help. Yep, not a problem. All right, hey Jose Nicola. Um, awesome dude. Help me with my VA disability claim. Um, and like I said, we'll probably have him back on here again eventually. Thanks. Hope this was uh, informational for everybody and you got some something out of it and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening, right. everybody. Thanks. Take it easy, guys. Thanks. See you, Jose. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net. And let us help you get to vet.